Psalms 34 and 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord. I heard somebody say it. The Lord is good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Joel 2, 23 and 24. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floors shall be full of wheat, and the fats, boy, I'm glad that word's there. It gives me hope. And gives some of you hope. But that's not what that word means. That means a vat or a container. And the fats shall overflow with wine and everybody shall oil. Acts 2.15, for these are not drunken as ye suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Amen. Here's another one for me. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens will I pour out in those days of my spirit. And they shall prophesy. Amen. Look at somebody and tell them, taste the oil. Look at somebody else and give them a high five and tell them, taste the oil. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise and let's worship him. Oh, thank the Lord. Come on, let's praise him. If you got the Holy Ghost, give him praise. If you're not ashamed to praise the Lord, let me hear you clap your hands. Oh, hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. A history of the ancient Mediterranean region could not be written without telling the story of the olive tree. Its berry and the oil that comes from that fruit have changed the world. From Italy to Egypt, Greece to Galatia, and of course across the Holy Land of Israel, the olive is the most prominent of all agricultural resources. Olive oil was called liquid gold by the famed Greek epic writer Homer. Hippocrates called olive oil the great healer. The olive tree is one of the most revered species, not only for its financial and culinary importance, but also for its resiliency and longevity. Even America's third president, Thomas Jefferson, called the olive tree, quote, the richest gift from heaven. Our church's recent trip to Israel just a couple of weeks ago, many of those who went on the trip said 
that their favorite spot to visit was the Garden of Gethsemane. One of the endearing things about that particular location is that besides its historical and religious importance, one of the most valuable, one of the most touching things is that the same trees that were there when Jesus prayed are still living and still producing olives. As a matter of fact, before we left the Garden of Gethsemane, I used my long arms to reach out over or through that fence. Actually, I used my long arms to reach over the fence because my fat arms couldn't get through the fence. And so I reached over and I grabbed a few of the, uh, of the seeds of the olives that had fallen on the ground and I, I brought them home. I've got, I got three of them. I've got one to keep and two to try to grow. And hopefully someday, I don't know if it'll work here or not, but uh, maybe someday I can have olives from the, from the offspring of one of those trees that Jesus prayed under. We'll see. Pray for me. I can grow weeds and that's about it. I was telling Brother Dunwoody the other day, he come over to, and, uh, and I told him, I said, man, having a yard is like getting old. Because I can't, I got bare spots all over my, my yard, Brother Jerry, where the grass won't grow. But it grows in my landscaping and in my driveway. Amen. I can't grow hair here, but it's shooting out here, here, and here like crazy. <laughs> you laugh now, your day's coming or it's already here. Some of you look like you got stuff dancing under your nose when you talk to me. So don't, don't laugh too hard. Such were some of you. That's Bible right there. Was that in the Bible? That's Bible, isn't it? While the ancient world coveted gold and silver and relied on bronze and steel, it survived on olive oil. It built empires, saved lives, and adorned the faces of kings. It delighted the palates of peasants as they ate their meager supplies. Even the widow who had nothing, all she had was a little bit of oil. And with just a little bit of oil, God worked a miracle and saved her family. Olive oil has been the bedrock of cuisine alongside bread for thousands of years. Olive oil was used in medicine, cosmetics, and slathered on the bodies of the first Greek Olympians. The fascination with olive oil spread from Greek city-states throughout the ancient world. The Phoenicians, the Hebrews, the Egyptians, and other groups have consumed it for centuries. Along with democracy... Olive oil is perhaps the most important cultural export of the entire Greek empire. Ultimately, it shaped empires in North Africa, in Italy, including the great Roman Empire. The olive oil that passed along the shores of the Mediterranean served as a pillar of trade and commerce for thousands of years, became a binding thread between nations. Modern Greeks consume five gallons of olive oil per year, five times that of the average American. 
The oil that most of us Americans have in our kitchens may say virgin olive oil, product of Italy, but odds are it's really not. Most of the olive oil we get is of the lowest quality or worse, it comes from shady exporters who adulterate the olive oil by blending it with lesser oils. Beyond the cultural, commercial, and culinary importance of olive oil, it is theologically and religiously significant. Much of ancient biblical life depended on olive oil. Without the oil, there would be no light in the houses. There would be no lights on the shores to guide the weary traveler home. There would be no illumination in the houses of God's people as evening would fall. And there would be no light for the temple in ministry of the house of God. Without the oil, there would be no medication because the oil was often used as the base for their balms and potions that would cover the wounds and keep out the infections. Without the oil, there would be no perfume for they would take the oil and mix in aromatic herbs to make the perfume. The olive oil was essential for Esther, for she was bathed in it before she was allowed to go before the king. And so without that oil, there may not have been salvation for God's people. The olive oil was critical to their interaction with God. Everything that went into the temple had to be anointed with oil whose main ingredient was from the olive. Without the oil, there would be no ministry because every priest and every Levite, every Levite had to be anointed regularly by the oil. It was used to anoint the bread in the temple, the priest for service, the principle of the anointing, taking oil and touching things to sanctify them and make them holy is fundamental to the principle of Christian sanctification. The Bible says that the anointing teaches us. The Bible said to anoint the tabernacle, the altar, the laver, the priest, and yourself. Anoint the king, anoint the prophet, anoint your shield, anoint your head, anoint your eyes, and anoint the sick. The Bible talks about the oil in medicine, for lamps, for vessels, for incense, for light, for gladness, for joy. Without oil, life would be empty and desperate. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, can somebody say amen? amen. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Moses was trying to give God's people the motivation to press through by describing the promised land to them. And in Deuteronomy 8 and 8, he said a land, it's a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates. A land of oil olive. To motivate them, he said there's oil in that land. Leviticus 2 and 4, God commanded them, the children of Israel, that they bring unto the house of God pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. Olive oil was so important to their culture 
that when the prophet, under the anointing of God, wanted to encourage a downtrodden nation who had lost their spiritual life, he used oil to describe it. Isaiah 61 and 3, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. May I tell you that God wants the oil of his spirit to touch his people in this place today. I got more amens in prison. I was probably preaching better too there though. As we turn towards the New Testament, we learn that all the Old Testament types and shadows that present olive oil as religiously significant were pointing towards the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Today, is Pentecost Sunday. The celebration of the events of Acts chapter number 2 that birthed the church 2,000 years ago. The apostles were reeling from the crucifixion of Jesus when he told them, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. They rented an upper room for 10 days as they prayed, read the scripture, and sought God. Pentecost was one of the primary feasts of the Jews. It was a time of celebration when Jews would sojourn from all over the world for pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Fifty days after the Passover, after the sacrifice of the Lamb for the sins of the world, they came to celebrate the incoming harvest, inaugurating the wheat harvest. It also commemorated when God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai. And so they gathered in an upper room for 10 days of seeking God. And when the day of Pentecost came, in Acts chapter number 2, Jerusalem was overflowing with travelers from around the world. Disciples of Jesus, his mother, his siblings, and others numbering around 120, were in a rented upper room praying. God, that was almost trouble. I can't hear myself. I feel like my head's in a bucket. Can you? Thank you. Y'all aren't saying amen, so all I hear, it's like Gomer Pyle said when, he, when Sergeant Carter made him put the bucket over his head. He said, what are you thinking? He said, I'm thinking how hard it is to hear in this bucket. I'm thinking, God, how hard it is to hear with my head full of this stuff. Amen. But as they gathered in an upper room, rented, and praying and seeking God, your Bible and my Bible in Acts 2 and 1 says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak 
with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That is our spiritual DNA. That is the birth of the church. That is where we came from, and that is who we are. And I'm thankful that he's still pouring out his spirit today. <laughs> that is the birth of the church. It's what Jesus promised would happen. They were endued or filled with power from on high. The Holy Ghost is the spirit of Jesus Christ. It is him dwelling inside of someone. Jesus called it power from on high. He said, I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. John the Baptist called it the Holy Ghost and fire. The prophet Joel called it wine and oil filling the church. As the wonder of the event began to spread throughout Jerusalem on that first Pentecost of Acts 2, the scripture said that the multitude came together and heard the believers speaking in tongues and magnifying God. The tongue of a man can be used for many terrible things. It can rant and rave in rage and anger. It can slander and insult and gossip and sow discord. It can be used in rebellion and division. But when someone is fully, truly filled with the Holy Ghost, they'll speak with tongues and magnify God. Holy Ghost-filled people praise God. Holy Ghost-filled people magnify God. Holy Ghost-filled people talk about how great God is. I wonder if I got any Holy Ghost-filled people right now that will magnify the name of Jesus Christ. Not everyone who heard about the happenings of the upper room were thrilled with it. The Bible said in Acts 2.13, others mocking said these men are full of new wine. An age-old accusation of the religious crowd of people who do not believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They're crazy. They're drunk. They're out of their minds. They don't know what they got. I'll tell you, they wanted me to tell this. Me and Brother Kevin and Sister Michelle and Brother Craig, we were walking out of the prison on Friday evening. And, uh, and walking beside us was a, one of the inmates who had some Arabic writing on his, on his shirt that he was wearing. And as we were walking, as we were walking out of the chapel, just a little group of us and then him walking along beside us, he told us, he said, he said, I'm a Muslim. He said, I was a Muslim before I came in here. He said, I, uh, he, he said, he said, I, I'm not a, I'm not a jailhouse Muslim. He said, I was a Muslim before I came. He said, I, we had our meeting this morning and he pointed to the classroom where I guess they had their their, their, uh, their study or whatever they call it. I started to say Bible study, but it's not the Bible. They're whatever they call it. And he said, I had to leave there and I had to come to your meeting to get some joy. <laughs> Amen. Call me crazy if you want to. Call me out of my mind if you want to. 
but I know what I found in that altar when the Holy Ghost touched me. It radically changed my life. It gave me something worth shouting about, something worth worshiping about. It gave me something worth praising God about. I'm thankful that there was a Pentecost, and I'm thankful there's still a Pentecost. When I got the Holy Ghost, I got joy unspeakable and full of glory. I got peace that passes understanding. Hallelujah. The age-old elders mocking. When they made, made the accusation, these men are full of new wine. Peter stood up in the afterglow of a white-hot outpouring of the Spirit. And he began to preach in Acts chapter number 2 and verse 14. But Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice. Now notice, it didn't say Peter standing up by himself. It was Peter standing up with the 11, all the apostles. I know this world is fractured into denominations. There's this church over here that believes that, and there's that church over there that believes that, and there's that denomination that says you got to do this but not that, and this one that says you got to do this but not that. You got all these denominations, but I'm going to tell you, that's not the Bible and that's not the will of God. When Peter stood up, he stood up with all the other apostles. There was one gospel, one message. There was one way. Did I come to the right church this morning? I'm a one God, Jesus name, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, apostolic. When Peter stood up to preach, he didn't stand up to say, okay, this is the Baptist gospel, and this is the Methodist gospel, and this is the Lutheran gospel, and this is the Catholic gospel, and this is the Anglican gospel, and this is the Church of Christ gospel, and this is the charismatic gospel, and this is the, no, he said, this is the gospel. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. One message for all the apostles. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Lord, let my, let my voice hold out for eight more minutes. It was not just Peter. It was Peter standing up with the 11. All the apostles united in one message. And said unto them, ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken as you suppose. Seeing it's but the third hour of the day. It's early in the morning. They hadn't been drinking. You think they're drunk, but it's not getting drunk. Wouldn't it be great to be able to get the joy? You know Why? You know why Bud Stupid, I mean Budweiser, is printing money? Because people are trying to get a little bit of joy out of a can. If I can just get enough of a buzz so I can't remember my failing marriage or my rebellious kids or my IRA that's gone upside down. If I could just get a little bit of a buzz to help me forget how I was abused when I was a kid and what I've been through all my life. No, no, no. Wouldn't it be great to be able to get the joy that comes without the hangover and without the after effects? He said, these men are not drunk like you think they are. 
But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, this is the Holy Ghost. Oh, hallelujah. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will. Everybody say, I will. I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Aren't you thankful the Holy Ghost is for all flesh? Amen. It's for white people, black people, yellow people, brown people. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. Amen. I see Asians in the house that have the Holy Ghost. I see black folks in the house that have the Holy Ghost. I'm a, I'm a half Puerto Rican. I got the Holy Ghost. We got Mexicans in the house with the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. The Holy Ghost is for everybody. You can have it. It's real. I wish somebody would praise God right now. I'm glad it's for the tall people, the short people. I'm glad it's for the fat people and the skinny people. I'm glad it's for the old people and the young people. I'm glad the Holy Ghost is real. It's real. It's real. It's this Pentecostal blessing, and I know. I know it's real. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and on my handmaidens in those days will I pour out my spirit. And then he said, he said a little bit later, it's going to be such an amazing harvest that comes from that spirit that the floors are going to be full of wheat and the fats are going to overflow with wine and oil. He says it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be overflowing. God wants there to be an overflow of the Holy Ghost in every single one of us. Not just a drop in the bottom of the bucket. Not just a little bit of residue along the side just barely holding on. But God wants you to be filled to overflowing. Can I tell you, he promised that you can be filled. It didn't have to be what happened 50 years ago. It can be what happens right now in this place. God, give us a fresh baptism. Anybody want a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost? Anybody want a fresh baptism? Anybody need a fresh baptism of the Spirit? Amen. John 14, 26, the Spirit's our teacher. John 16 and 7, it's our helper. 1 Corinthians 2, 11, it reveals the thoughts of God. Acts 1 and 8, it gives us power. Ephesians 1, 17, it's the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge. John 16, 13, it's the spirit of truth. Romans 8 and 10, the spirit is life. Romans 8, 11, the spirit quickens us. Romans 8, 15, the spirit of adoption. Romans 8, 26, it helps our weaknesses. Romans 8, 27, it makes intercession for us. Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. The Holy Ghost is real. Hallelujah. The location was the cor corpazione mastri. Oliari, or something like that, in Milan, Italy. The group was one of the most respected, authoritative, private olive oil associations in the world. Gathered in the room were eight of the world's most 
noted olive oil tasters. In front of them sat six tasting glasses with samples of the world's best olive oils. When the oil reached 28 degrees Celsius, the eight tasters removed the lid from the first glass, inserted their noses, and began sniffing loudly, some even closing their eyes. They sat inside individual cubicles, each equipped with a sink, a pen, and a stack of forms, and the samples of the oil. They were a diverse group, a 33-year-old farmer, a 47-year-old Tuscan personal motivation coach, and a 66-year-old Milanese businessman. They sat silently in their cubicles like chemists in a lab, scholars in a library. On shelves around the walls were several hundred bottles of olive oil, as well as 16 brown laboratory bottles with neat white labels on which were printed the official taste flaws in olive oil. These eight people had trained their senses to detect these flaws to the faintest degree. The tasters worked in their cubicles for the next 90 minutes, sniffing and slurping the oil. Finally, after evaluating the last samples, they stood and stretched like people rising from sleep and moved to the conference table in the middle of the room. Here, the panel leader, a man named Alfredo Mancianti, or something like that, collated their scoring sheets. One of the tasters, the businessman from Milan, Flavio Zaramella, he's the president of the Oil Society. He told author Thomas Mueller that they Quote, they just identified and quantified the sensations they perceived. The eight tasters were remarkably consistent in their appraisals, describing each oil in similar ways, identifying the same subtle flavors and fragrances. Artichoke, fresh cut grass, green tomato, kiwi. As they name off these subtle flavors that they found in each oil. The author, Mr. Mueller's face, showed disbelief. How could olive oil taste like kiwi or artichoke or fresh cut grass or even a green tomato? He thought olive oil was just olive oil. Flavio Zaramella noticed the bewildered look on the face of the author and he said, quote, oil talk sounds like a bunch of nonsense until you actually put a good oil in your mouth. At that point, Zaramella began pouring samples in little glasses, placing them on the warmer, putting a lid on each cup to hold in the aroma. When the oil reached 28 degrees, Zaramella showed Mueller the approved oil tasting technique, how to smell the sample deeply, how to take a small sip and roll the oil around his tongue to coat the inside of his mouth. For the next hour, Zaramella taught Mueller how to taste real extra virgin olive oil. He was amazed that he himself tasted hints of almond or artichoke or green tomato in plain olive oil. He had never known that oil could be so flavorful. Zaramella 
poured one final sample for the author. Mueller sniffed it like he was taught to. Sipped the oil. And after swirling a moment, he spit the oil out in disgust. Something was wrong with this oil. After all the other intensely fresh-tasting oils he had been trying, the final oil felt coarse and tasted like spoiled fruit. Zaramella laughed, and he said, I brought the supermarket oil last because it would have ruined your taste for the good ones just as surely as if you had tasted cat urine. Zaramella began to point out the flavors of the supermarket olive oil, rancid, damp, stuffy, vinegary, muddy. He picked up the bottle of supermarket oil that he had been tasting, and he holds and he says, you know, according to the law, if an oil contains just one of these defects, it's not extra virgin grade. In fact, the flaws that this oil has, has it classed as something called lapante, or lamp oil. It can only legally be sold as fuel, only fit for burning, not eating. The trouble is, he says, the law is never, can I preach just a couple more minutes to you? Suddenly he slammed the bottle down on the table. Coffee cups and ashtrays bounced. He said, this is what nearly everyone in the world thinks is real extra virgin olive oil. This stuff, he says, is killing quality. He went on to say, it says what every olive oil says. 100% Italian, cold-pressed, stone ground, extra virgin. But it's not the real oil. It's only good for burning. He began to say what the dishonest purveyors of cheap oil are robbing the world of. He said that they're robbing the world of the healing qualities of the real thing, the therapeutic properties of the real oil, and they're never going to get to taste what the real oil's like because they become satisfied with the fake and the, and the ruined and the no good. He said that oil is not just a deception, but it's a crime against public health. See, I read that book, and until then I thought olive oil was olive oil. But now I know that after buying the cheap stuff at Walmart, that somewhere out there, there's a real oil, and I can't wait to find it and taste it to see what I've been missing all this time. My Bible says that the prophet Joel said the Holy Ghost was going to be poured out like the fresh oil straight from the press. May I tell you that much of what this world thinks is the Spirit of God is just a merely supermarket version that's been watered down by man's idea and man's ritual and man's ceremony. Oh, God. 
when they march into churches and they're told repeat this, say this, do this, and they're doing dead religion and dead ritual and dead ceremony, they'll never get to know what it's like to raise their hand in an altar and have an authentic outpouring of the, oh God, the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Everybody out there deserves the real thing. Everybody out there ought to get to taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm almost done. I promise I think I am. In one of our tent revivals a few years ago, a young man came to that service and got baptized. Soon after, he got the Holy Ghost. After he got the Holy Ghost, it radically changed his life. He came to me. He was clean from drugs. He got involved in church, began to serve. He told me, he said, Brother V, I've been baptized in all kinds of churches. He listed a bunch of them. I tried all different kinds of Christianity. And nothing ever really helped me. He said, I began to think that Christianity wasn't real and there's nothing to it. He said, then I came down to Bethlehem and I got the Holy Ghost. He said, I realized all my life what I'd been missing. Can I tell you, he found out the day he, he traded in the supermarket version for the real thing. He found out there's something real. It's real. It's real. It's that... We've got people in this room that have come out of Islam to find that the Holy Ghost is the real thing. We've got people that have marched out of dead denominations and found the Holy Ghost. And they're saying it's real, it's real, it's real, it's real. I'm glad I got the real thing, baby. I'm glad I got the real Holy Ghost. I'm closing. Earlier this week, I guess it was Tuesday night, early, early, early Wednesday morning, actually, a little bit after one, my phone rang. I saw a number. I looked at it. I had to put my glasses on so I could see it. And I saw a number I didn't recognize. It had a name under it, and I didn't recognize the name that came with the number. I thought it's a telemarketer of some sort, so I thought I'll just let it go, but it, dear God, it kept on ringing and ringing. I, I don't know what happened. So instead of declining the call, I decided to go ahead and answer it. On the other end was one of our newest converts, just baptized a few weeks ago. He received the Holy Ghost, I think, about three weeks ago. We had a conversation about several things that were happening, that had happened in his past. Wounds and things that had gone on in his past that, that thank God I never personally had to deal with, but many of you have. He began to tell me about some of the things that God's helping him overcome. After a few minutes of conversation dealing with an issue he was having at the time, he told me something after we talked a while. He told me something on the phone call that I haven't been able to get out of my mind and out of my soul. Since that early morning, he said, quote, he said, I've been to all kinds of churches. 
He said, when I got baptized in Jesus' name, he said, I had a joy come over me like I had never felt in my entire life. He told me how when he was a little boy, his dad committed suicide. He told me how his stepdad had brutally, physically abused him and how he was filled with so much rage because his mom never did anything about it. He told me about all the things that had gone on in his life. But he said, that night that I was baptized in Jesus' name, I had joy come into my heart like I had never felt in my entire life. He said, I'm, I'm quoting what he told me. He said, it's the most awesome thing. God help us. God help us not to ever forget how it was when we first came down and God touched us. Look, we're all Pentecostal now. We live such insulated lives. We don't really need the Holy Ghost today. You'll be fine if you, you'll be fine if you go home this afternoon and take a little nap. You'll come back tonight. Everything will be okay. But I'm going to tell you, for a boy like that, he needed something to turn him around. I hope I'm not so patently Pentecostal that I forget to take advantage of every opportunity to worship and praise and magnify God. It happened right here in this building where joy unspeakable came over him. Oh, God. I, I was in, I was back there the night that he got baptized. I, I, did you baptize? I think you baptized him. I don't remember. You don't even know who I'm talking about. I was back in that room and I watched that boy. I, he's a full grown man, he's got kids, but, but I call him a boy because I'm old. I watched him go down, and when that boy come up out of the water, I was afraid he's going to drown himself, because as soon as his face emerged from the water, he had the biggest smile, all that water running right down in his mouth. He had his hands up. He had the biggest smile. He had a smile in the water. He got out of the water. He changed clothes. He come out of the changing room with the biggest smile on his face that I'd ever seen. Amen. He was smiling because there's something real when God really begins to... Look, a lot of people just get supermarket religion. And that's why it leaves a bad taste in their mouth. Some people just get supermarket religion and it's just a little bit, but it's not really what they're looking for. But when you go down in Jesus' name... Hallelujah. He came a service or two after he got baptized. He couldn't get the Holy Ghost, he said. He said, man, I don't know what's going on. But he came about three weeks ago. And he stood right here. And we had people getting the Holy Ghost all over the place. And he was standing right here. And then in just a few moments, there's a few people gathered around him. And I know I laid hands on him and some other people did too. But laid hands on him, and the next thing you know, his mouth opened up, and he began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave him utterance. This is what he told me on the phone early Wednesday morning. He said, I've been high on a lot of stuff. He said, I've been drunk on a lot of stuff. I've had a lot of experiences in the world to try to hide what my dad did and to try to cover up what happened in the anger in my life. He said, but when I got the Holy Ghost, I've never felt anything like it in my entire life. He said, it's the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Somebody needs to taste the oil this morning. 
Somebody needs a fresh taste of the oil today. If you've gotten dead, if you've gotten dry, if you've gotten cynical, if you've gotten bitter, if you've gotten cold, you ought to raise your hand and say, God, I need a fresh touch of the oil. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Look, I can't, I don't have enough voice today to keep yelling to get you to come to the altar. I can't keep pushing you. I know you used to me yelling, well, and then I keep pushing and keep pushing and keep pushing to keep you from letting that, that emotional down go. But I, don't, I can't do it with volume right now. You're at the muster up desire in you for a fresh anointing of the Holy Ghost one more time. God, I want to go back to that upper room experience. I want to taste the oil again. Anybody want a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost? Anybody hungry to get it again? God, I want to taste the oil. It's flowing here today. It's not the supermarket version. It's not the great value version. It's not the cheap version. It's the real upper room Holy Ghost anointing prophesied. Y'all quiet because I told you already I don't have the voice to push you. You have to throw your hands up to heaven yourself. And say, God, baptize me with fresh oil. God, touch me with the fresh anointing. God, fill me with the fresh baptism of your spirit. Oh, God, let an anointing from heaven come upon me tonight. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. You ought to be praying yourself through. You ought to pray yourself through to a fresh outpouring of the spirit. Baptize me, Jesus, with the Holy Ghost. Pour it out with fresh oil on my life. Come on, why don't you throw your hands up? Quit worrying about somebody else. Quit looking around thinking about it. Just throw your hands up and say, God, I want, I want the real oil. I want the oil that Joel prophesied. I want the oil that Isaiah prophesied. I want the fire that John prophesied about. God, baptize me with fresh oil. Why don't you reach over and touch somebody close to you and begin to pray one for another for a fresh touch of the Spirit of God, a fresh move of the Holy Ghost. God, pour out joy unspeakable and full of glory. Pentecost needs a fresh Pentecost. Oh, God, pour out the oil this morning. God, pour out the oil today. God, pour out the oil today. God, pour out the oil today. God, pour out your spirit. Come on, you ought to pray yourself through. God, pour your oil on this place today. Come on, say, God, I want a fresh Pentecost. I want a fresh anointing of Pentecost in my soul. I want a baptism of fire today. I don't want to live off the supermarket version.
Holy Ghost be poured out in this place. Oh, come on right now. Come on, you ought to just open your mouth and let the Holy Ghost. You ought to not be caring what anybody else is doing. This is Holy Ghost Day. It's Pentecost Sunday. It's oil day. It's the day for the real.
today. Let's go ahead and just lift our hands all across this room. What a word that we've heard in this place today. God, we give you glory. If you could just go ahead right where you are today, Jesus. We lift you higher and higher, Jesus. Right where you are today, why don't you just thank him for that all, God. God, we thank you for the all that you poured out on us today, Jesus. God, we're thankful for your mercy today, Jesus. Why don't you just thank him for it today, right where you are, God. plan. He had a place for you. He has a purpose for you in this place. Just taste and see that the Lord is good and I believe that He is good today. Why don't you believe that with me? If you lift your hands one more time as we give Him thanks in this place today. God, we thank you for what you've done in this house this morning, God. God, we give you praise on this Pentecost Sunday, God. God, because we know that you are good, God. God, we've tasted and we've seen, God. And we know that you're good today, Jesus. God, we give you praise and honor all across this room, God. God, we magnify you one more time today, God. Oh, we love you, Jesus. thankful for the oil in this place today. Amen. Before we get, get out of here today, I want to mention just a couple announcements. Don't forget service at 6.30 tonight with Brother Batson. And we have prayer at 6. I want to see each and every one of you there for a powerful move of God in the prayer room. I know we're going to have many, many guests in this place today. So I want to welcome you to join us at 6 o'clock for prayer. Let's also, for any of our guests, let's not forget our meet and greet directly following the service. We would love for you to join us in the back in the VIP room. But with that being said, well, God bless you today. And I pray that God will bless you today. You are dismissed in the mighty name of Jesus.